the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Did any of you have parents that warned you about hanging out with the wrong crowd? Anybody warned that as a child? I don't know if my parents ever said it exactly like that, but I do know that my mom and dad kept close tabs on who I was friends with. They wanted to make sure that I was not influenced in a way that would be unhelpful for me. Most importantly, they cared about whether or not I was being influenced more than whether or not it was the bad crowd. I recall being warned regularly as a child to be cautious on how I allow others to influence my behavior. My parents raised me in a Christian home and our morals and values reflected the word of God. Now I'm not saying that we lived out our morals and values perfectly, far from it. But for my whole life, God's word has been my family's guide. And as, as imperfect as my parents were, I could tell that they were genuine about their faith. Not only would they rebuke us with God's word and correct us children with God's word, but they would also allow themselves to be corrected by it. I regularly witnessed what I now realize is the practice of repentance and forgiveness, both from my mom to my dad and my dad to my mom and mom and dad to us children and us children to them and, of course, more regularly than not, us children to one another. This practice of recognizing that we had sinned against God and them and realizing that as Christians we had the opportunity to offer forgiveness to the contrite, to the repentant. This act of Christian actually brings light out of darkness. It's one way that God repairs what we in our sinful nature destroy. Because repentance and forgiveness is an act of humility and love from all parties involved. Certainly for the one who repents, but also for the one who's willing to forgive. It was this light of love in Christ that guided who we were as the Garcia family. And while I was never told to not hang out with those bad kids, as some parents might be tempted to, I was reminded that my actions should not follow their values, but those of our Heavenly Father and that which he has given us in his word. St. Paul reminds the congregation at Philippi that they are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Sometimes I think we fail to recognize how crooked and twisted it really was. It was quite a depraved culture, depravity in every form. From the practice of leaving unwanted newborns out in the wilderness to die to the literal backstabbing of politics where you would take out your opponent with a sword, 
to the sexual deviance of cultic prostitution that used vulnerable children, women, and men as objects of selfish selfish satisfaction in the name of cultic religion. It indeed was a wicked generation, sick and twisted through. And there are some who feel that our generation is the most crooked and twisted generation of all time. Some would argue that the world is getting darker and darker, and many times we feel that way, that sin abounds all the more. There are also others who aren't so sure that we're that bad. I mean, we aren't leaving children out in the wilderness all by themselves, are we? In fact, they might argue that people back then were far more worse than we are now and that humanity has made progress. The fact is that this world is and will always be wrought with sin until Jesus returns on the last day. St. Paul's encouragement in our epistle is as applicable today as it is in any time in human history. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Because the truth that God's word clearly lays out for us today is that man's ways are not just. Humanity is literally hell-bent in our actions. In Ezekiel, the people call God unjust for not pardoning their sin. And God's response is, repent and turn from your transgressions lest iniquity be your ruin. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. When God's word points out our sin, we would be wise to be humble before God and take correction over self-justification. This, of course, takes a level of humility that we are uncomfortable with. A level of humility that we will always be uncomfortable with. I can tell you as a Christian who has tried extremely hard to live with this humility, it never gets easier. Every time God's word confronts us for our sin, we want to react the same way. Well, it's not that bad. God, you don't understand what I was going through. I did what I had to do. God, your ways are old and antiquated. I love the idea of your forgiveness, but you got to get with the times. We justify our sins over and over. And 
Yes, it doesn't get any easier, which isn't that great of a sales pitch. I understand that. But I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to tell you the truth. What God calls us to as Christians is a challenging humility that ultimately is beyond us. But Jesus exemplifies this humility for us. More than that, he lives out this humility in our place. And it wasn't easy for him. He being God, the creator of the universe, your creator, willingly took on flesh and lived among us sinners who openly mock him and ridicule him and argue with him because of his law. In his earthly life, he was mocked and ridiculed and questioned. His authority was brought uh, to the forefront even in our gospel lesson today. And as he experienced all of that sin against him, he humbled himself. He had the authority to put everyone in their place, but he didn't do it. Jesus humbly went to the cross, not just to die for the people that called him king, but also for those who rejected him, for those who spit on him and mocked him and beat him. He died for sinners, all of us, so that by faith in him, we might be saved. As it turns out, our reflection of this light of love in Jesus is not found in avoiding the world, nor is it in being the perfect person in the midst of heathens, but it is actually in the humble calling of holding fast to the promises of God in his word and recognize our sin and repent, to hold Jesus ever before us and see the hurting neighbor and care for them, to recognize the pain and mess and realize that we've been called for such a time as this to care for the one that God has placed in our lives. It's not expelling darkness with our power, but humbly holding Christ ever before us, that his light might help us see the truth. This life in Christ is a light that truly illuminates the darkness. It's only accomplished by the Holy Spirit working through God's word to bring about repentance and forgiveness in us and through us to those around us, that all might be saved. It is true that hanging out with the wrong crowd can put us in bad situations, and we should probably avoid those bad situations. Parents certainly have every right to keep a watchful eye over their children, but who is the wrong crowd? Aren't we all the wrong crowd in different ways? 
Certainly before God we are. So I'd offer, instead of merely avoiding the wrong, we should seek to be hanging out with people who help us grow in faith. The most practical application that I can give to you in this sermon is fairly simple. It's probably what you've known for a while. Worship regularly. Receive his sacraments. Gather together around God's word that you might be fed and nourished with his truth so that as you live your life in this world with whatever vocation he gives you, you might be able to be that light of hope for the other. So that as you associate with all the lost and hurting in your life, you might be that source of hope for them in Christ Jesus. Connected to Christ in this family, you grow in his word so that you might be the light Jesus has made you to be. God grant this among us. Amen.